Uh, the reason why I kind of ruled him out is because the other two have much better fixtures anyways, and City dropped points twice to Palace last year. Welcome to the All Things FPL podcast. My name is Spice and I will be your host today in an episode where we have a lot to talk about. We have Game Week 4, of course, coming in less than 24 hours of uploading this podcast. We have a lot of midweek stuff that kind of happened. We have midweek fixtures starting next week. And then there's a lot of panic about, you know, if it's time to get rid of your Liverpool assets wild card, all that good stuff. So we're going to cover a bunch of that all today. For those that don't know, All Things FPL does have a newsletter, so please check it out. The link is in the bio, depending on where you're listening. Of course, if you are listening on Substack, you can just go ahead and look at my profile there. But with that being said, today we are going to cover, again, why Liverpool assets have to be a hold. I don't think you should get rid of them. Um, And I'm going to go over why in just a second. We're going to talk about differentials to watch this week. The captaincy dilemmas. We have a couple different captain options. UCL draw happened this week. And then we will reveal my team heading into game week four. So without further ado, guys, let's just get right into it. Now, I think it's only right to start with the Champions League draw as that's kind of the big one. Now, we don't have the official schedule just yet, but a lot of good teams got put into a lot of decent groups Uh, i have to say there's not really one group that is like really really poor i think each one has you know challenging clubs in them i think it's going to be a really really interesting group stage now of course the europa league and the europa conference league draws happened as well i'm not really going to talk too much about that the only thing that needs to be said uh is really rotation risk that's going to come with uh, you know the champions league and the europa league now for those that don't know anybody that plays in the europa league or the europa conference league will play on thursday which means that those premier league clubs that are in it such as i believe it's arsenal manchester united West Ham are in the Conference League, and then maybe one more club I don't know off the top of my head. I apologize, but those teams will all play on Thursday, which means their Premier League games will have to be on Sunday. And for those teams that play in the Champions League on a Tuesday, their game has to be on the Saturday prior. Of course, those clubs that do play on Wednesday, they could vary based on opponent. But I said it is important to kind of keep track of, you know, what teams are playing when. Of course, if Liverpool play on a Saturday against a team that's not too good and then in the Champions League on Tuesday, you could probably expect some rotation in that team, which of course will affect us in FPL. Once the full schedule's out, we're going to go ahead and kind of review it. We'll talk about rotation probably on like a whole separate section in a podcast in the future. But for now, the groups look pretty good. Liverpool, of course, getting into a group with Ajax, Napoli, and Rangers. They, of course, are the favorites to advance, but it's not going to be an easy group by no means. Napoli are a great team. Ajax are a great team as well. And Rangers are a good team, and they'll be challenging as well. In Group C... Chelsea were drawn in there. They have AC Milan, Salzburg, and then Dynamo. Chelsea are easily the favorites. I wish that it was a different team that got into this group because there's no really good Chelsea assets right now. I mean, Reese James is the only good one, which is good for, you know, Reese James owners because that means, of course, you know, if Chelsea are doing very well in the group, they could rotate in the Champions League. 
But of course, you know, there's no attacking assets that we really like, so it doesn't matter. In Group D, and, and I apologize, that was Group E that Chelsea are in. Uh, the image I'm looking at has it kind of listed weird. In Group D, Tottenham have Frankfurt, Sporting, and Marseille. So that is going to be a really tough group, and I know a lot of us have Spurs assets, whether it's Kulisevsky, Kane, or Son. Rotation will likely happen with that Tottenham team, especially at the fullback position, as it already has been kind of a nightmare for managers uh, within the first four weeks, and we've had weeks in between each uh, match day. So uh, that's going to be a tough one. That's one to keep an eye on, especially for the scheduling, because if, you know, the difference between a three-day rest and a two-day rest is the difference between, you know, Ivan Perisic playing at the weekend or not playing at the weekend, or Richarlison coming in for Kane or Son, and then, you know, those guys not playing. So keep an eye on that. Manchester City have a decent group as well. They have Sevilla in there, which is by no means an easy match. They have Borussia Dortmund, which would be interesting given that Erling Haaland is returning, and then they have Copenhagen. I mean, to be fair, City will probably win this group with ease, but nonetheless, they're not going to be just easy pushover matches, as, you know, some of these uh, other clubs might have. Uh, Just a word, I guess, on the other ones. I find it interesting because Robert Lewandowski returns to play Bayern, too, Uh, so it's kind of weird both the uh, Bundesliga teams have their uh, former strikers coming back to play against them in the group. But as I said, next week, uh, we'll go over it more and we can dive into potential rotation uh, when that time comes. But for now, I mean, just keep an eye on it. We all know players like Haaland will be rotated and stuff like that. So let's move on to purely Premier League now. We'll start off with Liverpool because that's a big one. I've seen a lot of panicking going on and by a lot, I mean literally a lot. Over 400,000 FPL managers have already transferred out Trent Alexander-Arnold, with another 175,000 managers transferring out Luis Diaz prior to game week four. Why? Why must I ask? Because they have Bournemouth coming to Anfield. Seriously, that is just not a move I would really be making at this point, because Bournemouth are clearly the worst team in the Premier League, I'd say, as far as quality goes, I mean, I know they beat Aston Villa in game week one, but when they play against Arsenal, when they played against City, it's clear that there's a quality deficit between these clubs and Bournemouth by no means are, they're not going to come and get something from Anfield, especially because after last week, Liverpool need to respond in this match, and I think they will. Jurgen Klopp won't accept anything besides three points. So, uh, of course, Bournemouth are visiting Anfield with the lowest XG in the league at 1.0. I think the next club up there is Leicester. No, not Leicester. I don't know which club is next up there. But uh, regardless, Bournemouth, 1 XG. They also have the fifth lowest expected goals conceded at 3.72, which is, again, the fifth lowest. It's really interesting, but they've conceded the second most goals in the Premier League, only Leicester City have conceded more, but most of those expected goals conceded has come from open play concede, which is not good considering they're a team that's going to park the bus. You think a team that parks the bus, uh, you know, they're going to give away goals to set pieces, not open play goals, and, you know, it just means they're leaky at the back, and I think that's very good for Liverpool, who tend to struggle against teams that play in a low block. Uh, I think that the low block won't really matter. I think Liverpool have too much quality and they should come out on top. Now, listen, if you want to get rid of your Liverpool assets, by all means, do whatever you want. It is, of course, 
it's your team that you're doing here. But I just don't see a real point in doing so. They have Bournemouth here at home, and then they have Newcastle at home next midweek. So, you know, if Liverpool don't play well against Newcastle, then maybe it might be time to get rid of players like Trent Alexander-Arnold. But by all means, you're not getting rid of Luis Diaz or Mo Salah. Luis Diaz has played very well this season. He probably should have a couple more goals than he currently has. Salah, of course, has been playing decent considering that, you know, he's not really gotten much service, but he's still returning. Of course, there is an injury crisis going on in that Liverpool midfield. And, you know, when there's a midfield like Henderson and Milner playing... Yeah, there's not going to be as much creativity. I don't think Milner will play at the weekend. I think we'll probably get a midfield of Fabinho, Henderson, and Harvey Elliott, which should be better for Liverpool. I think they'll have you know, more returns coming towards them, uh, but I'd really like to see Fabio Carvalho play. I think him, Fabinho, and Harvey Elliott would be a decent midfield, especially against a team like Bournemouth. I think Liverpool can get away with that. It might be a little bit too attacking-minded, maybe Hendo, Fabio Cavallo, and Fabinho, but regardless, I think we'll see You know, Liverpool kind of step it up. If you know they don't play well against Newcastle at home on Wednesday, then I think it's worth considering moving Trent on to maybe Perisic, maybe move... You're going to have to move him down, of course. There's no moves, really. You're not going to go Trent to Robertson or anything. So, uh, yeah, I would probably look to move them down maybe to a city center back. Uh, That's probably my next best position you could go for, especially considering you're going to have a lot of extra money in the bank. And then, of course, you can upgrade either your forwards or your midfielders. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's worth um, it's really a, a move worth considering, of course, because, you know, that's a large chunk of money you can use to improve the team. And if Trent's not returning, you know, that's you know, 7.5 million for only one point a game. That's not not what you signed up for. So it might be worth moving them on. For me, like I said, I'm waiting till that Newcastle game. If if they concede against Bournemouth and then they concede against Newcastle or don't play well, I think it'll be time to move on the defenders. But as I said, the attackers, I think you should keep because Liverpool aren't going to stop scoring goals. It's just, there's, the, the reason for not enough goals is because of that midfield injuries, but there's no excuse really for the Liverpool defense because Trent's playing, Virgil's playing, and Robertson's playing. Yes, I know they're missing a right center back. Yes, I know there's an issue there. But even then, Joe Gomez has played before in the past, so again, there's not really an excuse for it. Anyways, I want to move on to the differentials uh, because, of course, there is the ranks are really, really tight still. I mean, just look at the tables provided by LiveFPL.net. And they'll show you like the live ranks and kind of the points needed for each little benchmark. At 3 million, you need 170 points. For 300k, you would need 200 points. So a 30 point difference, 30 point swing, that is a huge, you know, that that moves you up a ton. The game is still so, so tight, which is why rank doesn't really matter, you know, early on. It's just about getting your team right for when you know, the game starts to progress. Anyways, there are three kind of differential picks that I want to talk about. Uh, The first one being Manchester United players. Manchester United looked revived on Monday when they defeated Liverpool. They had so much energy and Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho looked really good and they caused Liverpool a load of problems. 
Now, of course, Manchester United go and take on Southampton at the St. Mary's this weekend for, I believe it's the 1230 kickoff. So it's the early kickoff on Saturday. Now, is it time to jump in? Because a lot of people are looking to get Rashford and Sancho. I mean, they're at great, great prices. Uh, Rashford's 6.4, I want to say. So, I mean, that's an insane price for, you know, a, a team on paper that should be good. Is it time to jump in, though? I'm not going to I'm not going to say yes. I don't think it's not quite the time to jump in because who knows if it was just a one-off performance where Liverpool were making enough mistakes for United to really get onto it. I think Southampton will be interesting. It'll give us a lot of information because Southampton will play with a lot of physicality and they will play very, very fast. If Manchester United don't bring that same intensity, they will get beat by Southampton. And if they do, it's just the same old United. Yeah, they beat Liverpool. They beat a Liverpool with Milner playing in the midfield in a night where they all played horrible. And, you know, is it a one-off? We'll see. Like I said, if Southampton do take them out, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close game. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Southampton wins because, you know, you just... When it comes to those rivalry games, you're able to get up for them. It's a lot harder to get up for a 12.30 p.m. kickoff against Southampton. I want to talk about Brentford players as Brentford come up against Everton this weekend as they continue their great stretch of fixtures. And uh, let's let's just start off with it. Ivan Tony, three returns in three games. He had a great, great, great performance against Fulham. He probably should have had two goals. He was literally just offside, unfortunately. Uh, we have Brian Buemo, who, of course, I think is also another decent choice. Of course, he is priced at 6.0. Tony's currently 7.1. If you're going to go with a Brentford forward, I would probably go for Tony. But Buemo's had a good start to the season as well. Uh, their XG is both high. They are creating a lot of chances. They're getting good areas. They have good XG. I like both of them. Josh De Silva, the 4.6 bench player that seems everybody has at this point. He has had a decent start to the season. He's a little bit more quieter in their loss to Fulham last week, but I still think he's a great option because he's playing. He's a playing bench player on a team that has good fixtures. Uh, you know, the first two game weeks, he was lucky. He got a couple goals, and who's to say he doesn't get that again? And finally, I like Rico Henry uh, as a defender. Now, Personally, I don't think you should be getting a Brentford defender. I don't think it's worth it. And Brentford really struggled to keep clean sheets. I don't think they've kept a clean sheet away from home in a long time, almost a year. I might have read that stat wrong, but it's a long time since they've last kept a clean sheet or away from home. At home, that's the only place they can keep a clean sheet. So it's kind of up to you as far as you want to hip uh, you know jump back and forth between those two but there's a lot of better options that you can get for defenders anyways uh but these four guys connect as great differentials and they're all worth considering and next up i want to go to the newcastle players because of course they looked really really good it's no secret that they're a good team this year they're gonna be a team that probably will challenge for at least the top eight so there are a few players to kind of keep an eye on trippier he had a brilliant free kick uh, you know, Newcastle been keeping a couple clean sheets as well. I think they're a really good team. Yes, they have Liverpool in game week five. So maybe you want to wait before picking some of these players up. But, you know, if Liverpool are struggling against Bournemouth, I, I don't see why you wouldn't want to pick some of these guys up to target, uh, especially players like Trippier, who have been getting very advanced. You know, even St. Maximin, uh, St. Maximin, as a Liverpool, you know, 
fan, I would be very scared with St. Maximin going up against Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I think Liverpool are going to have to kind of, they're, they're going to have to find some way to stop him. So St. Maximin is one I'm really considering uh, because he was electric against Manchester City. We talked about it in the pod earlier this week. I'm not going to go over the whole spiel again, but I like St. Maximin a lot. Pope was really, really good. Again, he's a goalkeeper that's really worth considering. I know a lot of people have Ramsdale currently because Arsenal do have a better fixture run, but he's a goalkeeper that might be worth switching to once Arsenal's run kind of comes down. I guess you could consider Almiron on that one too. Um, I do think eventually he will probably get replaced. And Callum Wilson looks really good too. Now, like I said, be careful with Almiron and Callum Wilson you have to be careful with, with because they do have Chris Wood who played in the cup over the, the midweek this last week. And then they just signed Alexander Isaac from Real Sociedad. So his minutes could be limited. He, of course, is a rotation risk. He is a little bit older and he's always been kind of you know, Newcastle are going to keep care of him. They don't want him to get injured like last season. Now, let's move on to our game week four captaincy dilemma, because there's a couple good options that we can kind of go with this week. First off, we'll start off with the captaincy choice that I'm not too fond of, and that would be Erling Haaland. Uh, the reason why I kind of ruled him out is because the other two have much better fixtures anyways, and City dropped points twice to Palace last year. Palace seemed to always give them a bit of a struggle. I think they will. I think City will win, but I don't think it'll be easy. I think it'd be a tight game like 2-1 or something. Vieira has this squad playing well. Palace look like a really good team. You know, I know they lost to Arsenal game week one but was the first game since then they've looked really really good and palace seem to always get up for these big games like you know drawing against liverpool and i'm sure they'll give city a tough match like i said i still think city will win and yes i think haaland could still score points i'm sure haaland can you know get a goal i don't think he'll go off in a game against crystal palace but he can still score but the other two options are playing relegation sides so we'll start with gabriel jesus he's another great option with fulham at home Fulham will be a team that gives Arsenal a fight too. It will not be like Crystal Palace where they'll sit back and, you know, try and counter City. Fulham will go for the game against Arsenal, which means a lot of open space and a high-scoring game. I think every game that Fulham have played has been a high-scoring game except for when they played a lower-level side. It They drew a nil-nil. They should have won. Hold on. Let me pull this up right here. Where is Fulham? Fulham, Fulham, Fulham. So, of course, game week one, they score two against Liverpool. They draw 2-2. Then they drew Wolves 0-0, which was all right. And then they beat Brentford 3-2. So they're having these high-scoring games against teams that are opening up and playing against them. I think Wolves are a team that, you know, are very good at condensing their back line. They're a good defensive team. But a team like Arsenal, they're going to be opening up. I think we have a high-scoring game here. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends like 3-2 to Arsenal or 3-1 Arsenal, 4-2 Arsenal, something like that. I think we'll see goals in this game for sure. And Gabriel Jesus is going to be an option because of that because he will get into space. He will have open space to play in because Fulham will give it to him because they'll be going for the game too. Now, the only reason why I won't be choosing Gabriel Jesus is because Mo Salah plays a team that is worse than Fulham, and that's Bournemouth. They play the worst team in the Premier League, in my opinion. And this is a match where Liverpool need to win. Klopp, like I said, he won't afford, he, he won't let them drop this game. Uh, and I think, you know, that means that Salah's, 
he's he's gonna he's gonna get goals. I kind of shared all the stats already for Bournemouth, but I think Salah's the safest and the best option for the captaincy. I think he's a guy who he he's gonna be captained by a lot of people this week. His effective ownership will probably be the same as Gabriel Jesus, but it's Bournemouth at home at Anfield. It it's something you just don't pass up on. Moving on, we're going to talk about my team for game week four real quick, and then we will wrap it up. So last week, of course, we had a small green arrow. I'm currently ranked at like 4.1 million. I had a rough start, and since then, I can barely gain any points. But we have Ramsdale starting in net with a back four of Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, and Zinchenko. In the midfield, I have Luis Diaz, newly transferred in Wilfred Zaha, Kulisevsky and Salah, and then up top, Tony and Jesus. The captain's armband, of course, is on Mo Salah for me. Now, I did transfer out Phil Foden for Wilf Zaha. Was it a little early? Probably. I could have waited another week if I wanted to. But, I, like I said, I think Crystal Palace could get something from here. But I'm a little worried for Phil Foden because he did play a lot of minutes at the midweek friendly at Barcelona. And there's been kind of a lot of talk with him. Pep hasn't looked too happy with him because of just the just how he's been playing he hasn't uh he's been bombing up too much he leaves space for Newcastle he left space for Newcastle to kind of attack into and I think that caused uh you know City a lot of problems they didn't have control of the game when they played against Newcastle and I think Phil Foden doesn't give them that control that say someone like Jack Grealish would but like I said I'm a little worried for Phil just because he he just doesn't seem in the greatest of graces currently, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets rotated or starts on the bench. That's why I'm a little worried. Also, Wilf Saha has had a great start to the season. I think, you know, he's got a decent, decent run of fixtures coming up as well. Palace looked to be a good side. He's on penalties. You know, what more can you really ask for? And another reason why Zaha, he's a differential. He puts a lot more money in the bank for me. Now I have a whole mill in the bank with a squad value of 99.8. So not too bad. When other problems arise, now I have a little bit of money to kind of play with. Now, game week four is less than 24 hours away. Thank you guys for listening to the end of this podcast. If you're still here, please follow, leave a review, check out the newsletter. It's all linked in the bio. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you for the Game Week 4 recap on Monday.